Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spinner Rack, and today I want to talk about Gen 13. Now, this is a, I don't know, it might be a forgotten comic book, but at the same time, it's, um, if you go back to the 90s with the success of Image, this would be the third time lightning struck at Image. So, if you imagine, um, what was it, um, go back, the Youngblood would be the initial success of Image, and then Spawn would be the second big thing that lasted up to this day, somehow. At some point, the other Image creators, like, so Mark Silvestri, um, Jim Valentino, um, Eric Larson, and Jim Lee would be branching out doing multiple books similar to Rob Liefeld. And Jim Lee was no different. He introduced Wildcats. And when they were doing a crossover with Valiant, which was called um, Deathmate, they um, decided it was supposed to be a Rob Liefeld crossover. But then it became an image crossover. And in there, Jim Lee introduced Gen 13, right? So, I couldn't dig that one out, but I did dig out a bunch of the Gen 13s, the important ones, which would be the miniseries, the main, the main series, and some of the spinoffs, which were more one-shots. So, mm, I don't think I'm wide enough to do this. Let's try it. This would be Jim Lee's take on the characters where we'd first see them. And I think this possibly was an ad. But um, here you have Jim Lee's approach to the characters. And he initially designed them, and they were co-created with him. And um, what is it? Um, Brandon Choi and J. Scott Campbell, I think they have in here. The co-creators, right? Though this is Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. And J. Scott Campbell will be, be the um, penciler. But ultimately, this went from being a Brandon Choi and Jim Lee thing to really being a, a J. Scott Campbell thing. A more Brandon Choi embraced than J. Scott Campbell. Now, a lot of people, I think the kayfabe guys, they kind of say Brandon Choi was the luckiest guy. But this is his true success. And the only problem is, as it went along, the book, you know, they changed to different things. We'll get to that later. But Gen 13 is a book that, obviously, if you look at J. Scott Campbell, let's move from the Jim Lee cover for a second. Go to a J. Scott Campbell cover here. He has his roots in art similar to Jim Lee, but more has a lot of art atoms in it. And if you've seen... This New Mutants um, special edition, he would do the young, Art Adams would do the young characters like they were kids, but they were all babes and that sort of thing. So you get all this cool stuff and you get this sort of, um, this type of dynamics that you would get in uh, Gen 13, but there was a lot of angst in here 
they'd have some fun moments, but you see how Danny's like a little rougher here and that sort of stuff. And then um, the characters go to Asgard and still looking very young, very teenage. Like I think Bob McCloud had added that too. So they always kind of stayed on that. But we're going to get into Art Adams at a later date. So it's similar, similar to the approach of that. But um, ultimately, Gen 13 is basically what if the next men and the She-Hulk had a baby, right? Because it has and it was drawn by Arthur Adams. So basically, you have the government program that. Um, gives these characters powers and they shift you see like his legs got big <laughs> his eyes got all messed up and Jack had these harnesses whereas Caitlin here she gets you know she has a growth spurt right you can see from this cover she goes from a little girl to um this stacked woman right and then sort of a tongue-in-cheek approach where and we're going to get into more of this part because of character knowing they're in the comic book. And this is an overview of what I'm going to do. The books we're going to, this we're going to read, right? So, but the difference in between, stay there. The difference between that and the next men is that this book had a lot of Archie in it. It had a lot of Scooby-Doo in it. And it had a lot of what I think Stanley and Steve Ditko had. As far as their Spider-Man, a lot of interpersonal dynamics that kind of brought the energy to the book. So not only had the titillating art, but you also had this sort of um, understanding that comics at that period was moving away from the tragic sort of heroes to more so the just the standard, you know, heroes having sort of, um, you know, being successful at what they do. And at the same time, you know, so if we go through these covers, so wanna, I guess I'm going to read one of these books. I'm going to go through issue 13s of this book. But I showed you the poster in here. And this is the initial miniseries, right? So the miniseries was about five issues. So let's um, take this and move this down right for now. And do it like that. So in this, by the time it becomes a regular series here, but um, uh, it becomes a regular series here. Um, J. Scott Campbell's getting better and better now. His anatomy isn't classic anatomy, but it's like his body—you know, his um, body tights were just cool and. So borrowing from Jim Lee and Arthur Adams and Jim Lee, he created a dynamic of all of his own that was a lot of fun, of course. Women always stacked, right? And Caitlin starts the same way of having this sort of nerdy girl that turns into the stacked girl, right? So let's give you, I think, easier to go to this issue, right? So this gives you a nice overview of who the characters are, right? And you open up this book, you have Fairchild, who I've introduced to you here. You have Burnout, who's over here. It's like the Johnny Storm. But Caitlin is similar to a character that was called Looker, who 
Um, well, she doesn't have mind powers, but she basically gets this growth spurt, right? So, but she has, she's super strong. And then you have, um, I said burnout of the power of the fire. You got free fall, who's rocks. She's, you know, gravitating, you know, goes against, I guess it has, um, power to defy gravity. Defy the very laws of gravity. You have Rainmaker, who's over here. You have Grunge, whose um, ability to alter his molecular structure of his entire body. Right? So those the five of them. And then, of course, they have, um, I think it's Lynch, who's their sort of Professor X. And I guess the next man is Control. That sort of thing. So I think Jim Lee was planning to do like a Gen Generation X. And this is kind of what it became. But, um... Uh, that's neither here nor there. So here, this was the initial miniseries, right? And um, as you go through, and this happens if you watch the cartoon, it's very similar to what happens in the cartoon. So you start out with three characters, then Rainmaker comes in. No, oh, the four then, because I don't know if, I guess, what's the name? I guess Burnout was there. They meet Pitt. In issue three. And then at some point they run into. Was it Lynch here? I think that's Lynch. Who I think at the end of this issue. He. He decides he's going to be on their side. They think he's working with all the bad people. But he introduces this long history. The true history of the Wildstorm universe. Right? But he knew um, Caitlin's father. Yeah, I think that's the plot. And this is how he becomes Professor X of the team. And, um, now, you know this is a success. And this is what I'm I'm still going pretty long. But I had to show you how big this book was. And this shows from this issue here, the zero issue, which is the jam issue. And this was what I initially did my video on, which had Jim Lee drawing the lead story of Caitlin. You had um, Desert Bloom, which I think is Burnout and Rainmaker together. Um, you have things changed with Travis Cheris. He, he is one of the standouts of... Image anytime someone talks about a, of course J. Scott Campbell does the rocks and grunge story, but you have here we enter the John Lynch, where we have Travis Cheris doing this really cool sort of stuff. And this guy he didn't do much, but you know he grew from being sort of a Jim Lee clone into this really great artist. So this you can tell. And here they have the new setup. It's nothing like, I mean, it's like the Hala. Like, look at this cool layout that they have. I think that might be patterned after their actual... I might have said that wrong, but let's keep going. So it would be a lot, a lot lighter than what the X-Men were like, right? So we're going to keep going. We're, we're, we're this far in, and you know it's a success. 
They know what's going to happen. So they did the new number one and they had a bunch of covers. I thought I had the um, Jason Pearson one. And it's a shame that he didn't do a run on this title. But um, you have Michael Golden doing a great cover. You have Arthur Adams, of course. You have to have him. And the next, the next um, issue of this, this will really get to this. Um, have a lot of the Archie stuff in here with supervillains, but this was Wildstorm Rising. Barry Windsor Smith did the Wildstorm Rising mini, and this would show. I think at this issue it was like you would kind of get to the light sort of fair of this thing where it wasn't going to be as serious as the X-Men. And as you keep going in this series, J. Scott Campbell's just getting better and better as it goes along. And as, as you see where it was a little more cartoony, he gets a little, gets a little more Jim Lee into his work. So let's just sort of put these books over here with the zero. And let's get to, you know it's a success because Jim Lee's on a sabbatical. And he decided, hey, I'm coming back. And he does a two-parter, which they did a big ads for. And he did this two-parter with um, Gen 13. And this is some really nice stuff from Jim Lee, right? It's... Um, I don't know if he's trying to take some J. Scott Campbell's Thunder. I mean, you see even this cover, he's redoing J. Scott Campbell. So they know that this guy's a success, right? So let's get to why we're here. We're almost 15 minutes in. We're not to the reason why we're here, right? But this is just one of the established that J. Scott Campbell... And Brandon Choi had a book that was a success. They had a success. How do you know it's a success? Ah, look at me. This is not coming together. You know it's a success because they had spinoffs. Gen 13 Bootleg by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. Got Adam Hughes doing Gen 13 Ordinary Heroes. You had Humberto Ramos doing that too, the Unreal World, because the editor, she, I think, was on the real world. So you had all this stuff going on with the book. So with that said, I'm going to kind of show you the light fair of the book. Let's get to Gen 13, 13 issue, uh, issue 13. Now, this would be a three-part A, B, and C, 13 issues, uh, issue 13, right? So, this would have a big crossover. Now, this would not be, well, this would be very similar to the next man's power, right? John Byrne did a story called Power, where the next man would meet comic book characters. And the first one, you know, they would meet was Hellboy. That would be Hell. But he would be, they would know he's a comic character. And he would meet them, right? And then I think, who else did they meet in this storyline? The next men meet Concrete. I think, do they meet anyone else in here? No, well, that's, um, they meet actual, the, the writers. John Byrne is in this book. Yeah, John Byrne is in this book here. So, 
this sort of hopping around having comic characters and real characters kind of meet in the book he have elf quest you have a monkey man and o'brien you have elf quest is there anyone else in this book and i always like to point out regretfully sometimes when burn does this stuff he's too too much slave to storytelling when you get to this page here you see that you have um you got marv and um and wendy here and it's like this shouldn't just be a huge splash page but it's a slave to storytelling so that's a, just a little gag so this would not be different but the difference would be with tone where burn is very much into the tragic obviously you look at power you see the tragedy of what's going on gen 13 would be more similar to the archie approach right and this you see they would basically go to the mall in san diego because grunge wants to go to the comic book comic book um auction they have the unfunny shirt here and um the lynch is kind of walking them through this and no one understands comic books and he wants to get this chromium cover captain pyro chromium cover right so that's spoofing the comic book industry at the time grunge of course doesn't get it with all those comic fans and then Caitlin, which is the key to the story, says, I bought a bunch of independents. He's like, wow, Caitlin's coming around. But Grunge is still upset about this thing. It kind of mirrors what's going on in the comic book industry. And then, of course, someone offers him that book, what he dreamed of, right? So, of course, he's going to be that. He takes it. Somehow he got it. And he drifts off into this other world. So then, just like the Wizard of Oz, he would kind of run into characters from Gen 13, but slowly start to run into other characters. And they ran into Archie. Now this this tone with Archie's stories would kind of end on a, like a really light note. This is very what the approach of what Gen 13 was. And capturing, you know, they had two girls and three guys and they went adding sort of what was it three girls in there so it's not the same dynamic but you get to see <laughs> the archie girls become j scott campbell girls you get to see grunge become an archie character and they said hey didn't run about the bad girls so there's more to come All right and as you go on issue b issue b has bone so Bone was a, not a big seller, but it was a, definitely one of those books pros love. And it has the turtles in here. The turtles are stuck under all this stuff in the Valley of the Dolls, right? And they free the turtles. And they just wish they would come back into become a comic book again. And then they told, go follow the road of destruction. So this one would really spoof the comic book industry, right? So as we go along, we see Bone, and then of course Grunge and um, Rocks kind of save the day. They're on their move. They see this fountain, and we have Bean World here, right there. And he almost eats Bean World, but they're not just, of course he spits them out and they're saved. A little gag right there. And then next you know, he's going to Image, because he's going to become an Image character. 
but this is going to be similar to the book I brought up to before, which was the She-Hulk, right? So it's going to start spoofing the comic industry. And that was a hook that Burns said about um, the She-Hulk, that he, she wasn't going to spoof comic books, but she was, he was going to spoof how the comic books were done. So he would not only spoof like other creators and stuff like that. He was John Byrne would spoof himself. And there's a little bit of that in there, but they spoof image right here. You see highbrow, which is Eric Larson's thing, and she'd be the Wonder Woman and the Hulk. But of course, um, who was doing Wonder Woman? This is '96. Byrne was doing Wonder Woman, so a little spoof there. Obviously, Peter David, they had something going back and forth. With a shot at them, but this would be all different, as they say, fiefdoms of, you know, of, of what's name in this independent country, right? Top cow left, and it got spilled milk, right? Look at the gag rush right there. We got the notice of, of eviction here for the young blood characters and Black Frag. <laughs> this was the Don Fragger. Um, And then Bad Rock over there, a toy, you know. Then it goes in here. I think these are image. I think these are Defcon characters. I think this Defcon Four that Jim Lee had. And then he got a little gag on Lynch here, and you know, making fun of Jim Lee, making fun of Jim Lee here. You got the Fantastic Four. Obviously, burnouts there with the candle. Right? Of course, you got to meet Spawn, but also, even though Mad Men wasn't a big seller, it was a you know big book for the time, and they're gonna go on the road to SA, which is gonna meet. And then, of course, there's ads for these other books, right? Monkey O and O'Brien. Oh, maybe we'll see them next, right? So this is post Legend, right? Legend and with that John Byrne was involved with is gone. So we go to this one. This scene isn't actually in there, but there's a lot of scantily gladded babes. The X-Men get the X-Men gets an ad in here. I think there's another one. They run into Jungle Princess. We got the Max. We got Lady Death. We got She. And they're on the road to the road of the legend of of um, sequential art, right? So they're going through there. And this is where J. Scott Campbell kind of put his flag down, saying he's the guy. He's not just a, a Jim Lee clone. He's kind of there. I mean, a lot of guys take their, as I said, take their, got their start from Arthur Adams, and then they make it big. And I think uh, Byrne was talking about that too, right? So meet Mike Man O'Brien, and of course with the wizard, had the wizard there. And then they're fighting these comic fans. They're lifeless zombies. <laughs> and then, of course, Caitlin comes in, comes in here as a good witch in the, the land of sequential art, land of SA. Obviously, in the land of sequential art, you have all these really solid storytellers. Then you could Anthony Robbins in there, Wolverine <laughs> comes and saves the day course 
And then he decides to rip the comic book and he's back to the present day. And then it's all because of the stupid comic book, right? The guy who actually bought it, he said it was taken from him and then Grunge gives it back. And he finally, instead of chasing a whole bunch of other women, goes and kisses rocks and then a happy ending. So this is definitely, and then of course, as you get to this, you get some more ads. Marvel and then she adds Max, Robin, Anthony Robbins in there, and Hellboy. Right? So I think this is a good place to end. Um, I guess something like um, Gen 13, even though it's not hot anymore and it's had many relaunches that didn't lead to the success it initially had and the same with the com the cartoon but um you had about 20 issues where j scott campbell was taking a lead you had um, i think that's uh al rio i think al rio did the book after that which is a style that was similar to it i think was it he do i have that here somewhere do have it you start to see on the cover Rio would take over the book from that so he did a style that was similar to J. Sky Campbell right but ultimately they would abandon that sort of style and they would get a um, writer that had some buzz John Acruti and then you had Gary Frank from The Hulk so it was kind of um, taking it from what it was into this totally different book, which I don't think was the way to go. It did have some decent art because Gary Frank is a decent artist, but I think the approach of kind of um, this irreverent, fun sort of thing that was going on really captured the fans. And even though if they were buying it for the girls, they were still having fun for it, which... It's the same thing we would buy, like I would buy, um, well, I guess I wouldn't buy for the art, but I would get into, I guess, Betty and Veronica, stuff like that. So it's one of those things where you can, um, you know, this phenomenon, which was the third time, there's a couple of the times um, image got hot because you know there was a Walking Dead, but, and that wouldn't be the fourth time. There would be a couple other times that happened at image I think at least one more thing happened at Image before um, Walking Dead, which I want to talk about, which involves this artist. So um, this is a good place to stop. You should go check this out because it's still art. I think it still holds up for me. I didn't really look at it and say, ugh. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of tough when you look at heat. But J. Scott Campbell was sort of an artist that, even though he had his humble beginnings in the miniseries, right? He did sort of develop, not getting rid of most of his style, but just getting, you know, keeping it down, you know, making it a little more realistic, just very slightly, but keeping that sort of good girl art. So that's about it. Spinnerack out.